is the Under Center Podcast. But lads, I think we've talked enough about the playoffs as a whole. Let's have a look back at the weekend's games. And we're going to start with the first game on Saturday night. And that was, of course, the Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars losing in Arrowhead to the Kansas City Chiefs 27 points to 20 of course the big story coming out of this game is the injury to Patrick Mahomes the high ankle sprain um, he managed to tough it out and he missed most of the second quarter it was Chad Henney that took over which involved a, was a 96 yard touchdown drive as well uh, and then he came out for the second half and helped the Chiefs um overcome the Jaguars in this game. But uh, Fiona, I'll start with you first on this one. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about the Jaguars and how this is a good learning experience for them. In terms of the Chiefs now on, 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 with this, and we'll talk, we'll look ahead to the AFC Championship later on in the game. But your thoughts on the Chiefs' performance as a whole in this one on Saturday? Yeah, I think in the end they did well. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes' injury certainly stunted them a little bit, and I don't think you could say they were running away with the game before that happened even. I think it gave them a good test. I think this Jaguars team is well-balanced. I think Trevor Lawrence can throw the ball. Travis Etienne can run the ball. They've got a decent offensive line to run that ball behind, and not a bad defense either. Plenty of pressure. They obviously were in and around the quarterback. That's how Mahomes got injured plenty of pressure so i think this was a good experience i don't know if the chiefs have impressed me the way they've impressed me in other uh post seasons years gone by i think it was an important win i think you're allowed one scrappy win we'll see what happens in the next round i'm i still haven't got my mind made up whether or not they can they can get a victory now in the in the conference championships yeah i, so on, I don't on... sorry i'll go ahead oh no sorry um I don't know that I'm totally convinced that the Chiefs would have won, even if even if um, uh, Mahomes had stayed healthy. I mean, he was obviously very affected by the injury, and um, it looked it looked pretty rough. But with uh, Jamal Agnew's fumble, uh, that was huge on the three yard line, um, and then on the next Jags drive, the interception. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Like it's it's one score in it. Like if if they got that score, if Agnew didn't fumble, it's twenty seven twenty seven. Um, and then you know who knows from there. I I don't know if it's a certainty they would have won, but I think it's uh it would have been a lot closer than it looked. I think for me, it's kind of like uh, the the Chiefs seem to have a bogey team, and it is the Jaguars, right? They have never really looked fantastic against that team. And particularly when you take away, like we all know how good Patrick Mahomes is throwing the football, but when you take away his mobility, like he scrambled three times for eight yards in the entire game. And that's really something that, you know, gets the, the Chiefs out of a hole quite often during games. So I think if he's fully fit, he adds that extra element uh, there in that respect. But yeah, like you said, full credit to the Jaguars. They put in a real performance. It didn't look like they were the absolute worst team on the day. Uh, and they put in a really mature performance, I think, uh, for what is a particularly young team. So fair play to them. And I want to see them back in the playoffs next year. Yeah. This game um, sort of brought me back to the Super Bowl game in, in 2020. Um, it was the the game that the Chiefs lost against the, the Buccaneers. The Chiefs had 
uh, Patrick Mahomes running for his life in that whole game with a turf toe injury as well. Um, and he had no O-line to protect him against that Bucks uh, defensive line. This time around, Mahomes gets injured again. His mobility is gone. But what they have done since that Super Bowl is invest in that offensive line with the likes of Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown, drafting Creed Humphrey, that he has protection there so that if an injury like this where his mobility is gone, they still have the offensive line to protect him and which is going to be vitally important next week, um, which we'll get into a little later on against the against the Bengals. But uh, yeah, with the Chiefs and and, and Fionn, you mentioned that um, you haven't been too impressed with them. I do think that there's there is an over-reliance on Travis Kelsey. Um, I th- the, the rest of a receiving group have not pitched in enough for me um, with the likes of Juju, Smith-Schuster, um, MVS. There's someone, Sky Moore, their rookie, has just fallen off the face of the earth after mm-hmm. what I thought was going to be a, a good year for him. The running, ba- the running back situation, though, does offer uh, hope in this as well because Jarek McKinnon is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield. Isaac Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco has really settled into the running back role um, there and now. He had a good game as well on um, on Saturday, despite not lighting up the stats board, still played very well. And I, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just came back off in an injured reserve too. So they have that there if needed. Um, but like I said, on, on the, the Jaguar side of things, we mentioned it's a good learning experience. What do you think they need to do now in this offseason? And, Rain, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think they need to do in this offseason now to take that next step uh, for next season? I think they really need to get a, a wide receiver into that offense, kind of one that will go opposite of Juju Smith-Schuster. Because I think we know that Juju Smith-Schuster is a very good receiver, but he's a very specific receiver, right? He's a big-bodied guy, draws attention. I think on the other side, he probably needs a, a speedster, and that is Valdez-Scantling, but at the same time, he's not that like marquee name that you need. So either draft a guy early to get opposite of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, or you know, go get somebody in the free agency because I think that's all that this offense is lacking. Like you said, they've improved their uh, O-line. They've improved uh, at running back with Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, and that defense is all right. Like, it's grand, but that offense is going to win championships. So in the draft, maybe uh, upgrade that defense, but definitely, definitely to improve that offense, they need to get another wide receiver. Very insightful, although I do think I asked about what the Jaguars need to do next. <laughs> I didn't want to say and... anything. Oh, <laughs> all right. Um... Copy and paste, but uh, with I, I guess, yeah, names. get a wide receiver would be a great thing to do. Uh, Christian Kirk is great, but he might need help on the other side. They do have Calvin Ridley next season. Yeah, if he can get rid of the gambling habit. Hmm. Yeah. For me, for me, I think the, the Jaguars need to get a tight end. I, I'm not a big fan of Evan Engram. He has played well in the playoffs, but you need someone who's going to be consistent. I know because I got burned and I drafted him in the fantasy, so I know how awful he was performing during the regular season. I'm still bitter about it, and I just think you need, you need that comfort blanket. Look at the other side of the game where Travis Kelsey got, Dara, you pointed out, 
over reliance. He had over half the receptions for the whole game for the whole every single person who caught a pass. He had over half of the receptions. So I think they need someone where at tight end you can really be a check down to Trevor Lawrence because he's so good at throwing the ball deep and has such velocity to keep the defenses aware and on their toes, you need to be able to threaten deep and have that guy who's reliable underneath. And I just don't feel Evan Engram is reliable underneath. I'd like to see him catch a few more touchdowns. He did start to catch a few touchdowns there towards the end of the season. So hopefully if we can keep that kind of form running, maybe he can boost his, what would you, his value to the offense a little bit. But I think that's where would, that's where it always go. I think they'd be a little bit disappointed as well. They didn't get any sacks. I said they they got a lot of pressure on Mahomes. I do feel like that was true, especially after he got injured. But given his lack of mobility, not to get him on the ground, not to officially sack him, that's going to be frustrating. Although it's not a it's not a particularly bad defensive line, so maybe that's more in a coordinator scheme type improvement that needs to be done for next season. I don't know, but that could be one area I think they might look at. Yeah, I think um, they definitely do need some more receiving talent. Um, I think a huge area that they need is their offensive line. Now they did they did perform reasonably well during the season. Um, you know, it's 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 not a huge knock on them, but um in this game against what many people might consider a fairly poor um pass rush by the Chiefs, you know, they have Frank Clark, but he's he's been pretty disappointing for them. Um Chris Jones. You know yeah, yeah, he's he's actually, you know, their best bit by far uh, on the defensive line um you know Lawrence was under pretty constant pressure in this game you know he didn't really have time in a lot of instances to really sit back and uh you know take some shots as he needed to so I think that that should definitely be a place that they should look and as well maybe um you know defensive line and secondary I think needs a bit of work as well yeah, I'd fully okay, disagree well, with Fionn, though, about the uh, the tight end. Uh, Evan Engram produced more than most tight ends did this season, right? There's only kind of like scored, four he guys. He scored four touchdowns in the last three games of the regular, or last two games of the regular season. He had 16 yards and 27 yards. He's not a blocking tight end. He doesn't help the run game like that. Right, but they do have guys to fill in for those. Like Dan Arnold is quite a, a well-rounded tight end. And they have Chris Manhurts there as well who is a full-on blocking tight end. So they can pull Evan Engram out of the game. When you're talking about tight ends who really contribute, you maybe have four across the entire league. I would say Kelsey, Knox, Andrews. Yeah. Outside of those three, who's contributing more That's than like 50 That's yards That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. you got to go find a guy but like You can't that, just go, I think... oh, I, we need to find a unicorn. They don't exist. These guys but... coming out of college do not contribute until year three or four or five. Well, look, I'm looking at the wide receiver core. I don't think there's any problem with a wide receiver of Zay Jones and Christian Kirk on both sides. I think adding a third guy to that is also arguably a little bit of overkill when there's other things to be had. So, look, that's where I felt you just want to add as many weapons. When you've got a talent, and I think we both agree on this essentially, what we're trying to say is when you have a talent like Lawrence, you want to put as many good offensive hands around him that can get the ball and do some damage. I happen to think that might be a tight end production problem. You happen to think maybe a, maybe a third or a second uh, wide receiver would help that out, depending on how you rank those guys. But look, at the end of the day, we're brothers. We like to have a bit of argy-bargy, but I think we're essentially saying the same thing. I just happen to think 
Like, I think most of mine is coming from being burned so badly on fantasy. The man got about four yards on average. Can anything be said for bringing Tebow back? I mean, Absolutely. he he blocks about as good as Evan Ingram. And I'm sure there's some guy <laughs> that has a, a cut package, an hour-long cut package of Evan Ingram pancaking guys on the outside. But I'm telling you, the three times a year that I see Evan Ingram, he is awful to watch at the tight end position. Fair enough. We will move on to the second game on Saturday night, which actually went into air Sunday morning over here. That is the Giants 7, the Eagles. It says 27 on this. That is wrong. It was 38. So uh, forget about that scoreline there. Uh, Eagles 38, the Giants 7. The Eagles made full use of their week off um, by getting healthy and game planning for this game. And um. I, I, I listened to the uh, the PFF review of the weekend there and um, the other day and their first line of this game was I can't understand I can't believe how bad the Vikings defense must have been to allow this Giants offense to score as many as they did on them um, and I tend to agree because the Eagles defense just smothered this uh, Giants team for the guts of three and a half quarters Um on Saturday night, um, and the offense just did what the offense has been doing all season. They can beat you on the ground. They can beat you in the air. And for Jalen Hurts, who said himself just before the game, who wasn't 100% fit, he sure looked like he was um, fit and healthy to me. But, uh, Rain, I'll start with you on this one. Um, your thoughts, looking back on this game there, of the Giants and the Eagles, um, kind of kind of what we expected um, to happen. But, you know, when the playoffs, you always have these doubts about whether or not the, the, the form um, can continue. But uh, Eagles, Eagles go by, or Eagles progress quite easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the difference for me, just going back to what you said about how bad the, um, the Vikings defense must have been versus uh, the Giants, I think it comes down to the speed that the Eagles have on defense. Like Hassan Reddick sets that edge very, very well and their linebackers can fly to the football. And we really saw that in kind of uh, Daniel Jones's performance, right? He had 24 rush yards on the day where he had over 100 versus the Vikings. So yeah, once you can shut down that run game and kind of fly to the football versus the Giants, they don't have anything outside. Like I've said previously, they have a wide risk wide receiver core that has been built from the practice squads of other teams um so yeah look the the eagles had a job to do they did it very well they ran the football very very well i would be worried for anybody who has to come up against that rushing attack going forward um and yeah they got the job done in emphatic fashion yeah i i yeah, it was just, it was a beatdown. I was expecting it to be a bit more uh, competitive. I didn't expect by any means the Giants to win, but uh, I thought they might put up a bit more of a fight than that. If you're looking at some individual positions, there was there was some good performances uh, on the Giants' side, but um, yeah, it's just like, the Eagles are just such a good all-round team. They're, they're good in both sides of the ball. As good as their defense has been, I think they're a bit underrated. Um, you know, everyone's talking about the Cowboys and the 49ers, but like that, that Eagles defensive line is just ridiculous. And um Josh Sweat has had a really uh, good season and no one's talking about them. And 
yeah, just just a beatdown. And the Giants, this is this is the game uh, that should uh, clue people in that uh, Daniel Jones uh, shouldn't be brought back. Get a quarterback. Forget Daniel Jones. He's out. No, don't listen to him. Giants, Giants front office. Don't listen to him. You keep Daniel Jones and you pay that man that press got money. But in fairness, I have to say, Rian, we were talking about that wide receiver slash receiving room in general over in the Jaguars. Holy God. I looked up the stats. Obviously, this is a late game, so I didn't get to see much of it. I looked up the stats the day after. I was like, oh, Daniel Jones only had 135 yards passing. I wonder, like, what was going on there in that wide receiver room. And I'm looking up the guys who caught footballs for the New York Giants in the playoffs. Some guy called Richie James. Never heard of him. Saquon Barkley was their highest leading receiver with two receptions. Or their second highest back around. Then Matt Breida, the second running back, was your next highest receiver. See, already you're throwing the ball three times, three times to your running backs, and they're second and third on your receiving list. And then you go, oh, well, that makes sense. Must have run the ball a lot. No, Saquon Barkley carried the ball nine times. I just, did the did the New York Giants have the ball at all in this game? Did they have like four minutes of? I don't understand where any of that offense went. The, but, the Eagles the Eagles shortened the game a lot by running the football, yeah. Um, yeah. but still it, it was an embarrassing performance on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants. Yeah, oh, I mean, quick shout out! I forgot to I forgot to say is the Eagles offensive line. Uh, in my opinion, is the best offensive line in football right now. Absolutely. And I don't think it's close. Um, and it's going to get the 49ers nightmares next weekend. Yeah. Well, look, it just if you want to give, put some perspective on the game, like the Giants had 13 first downs to the Eagles, 26. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have half the first downs. So the time of possession was 24 minutes for the Giants and 35 for the Eagles. It just shows like that. When you can run the ball well, you can control the clock and you can keep your offense out there for so for longer. Mm. And, uh, th- you see, I do, I do have sympathy for the New York Giants because I see where they're going with Daniel Jones. If, he, if you stop him fumbling the ball, he doesn't throw interceptions very often. And that's a very good attribute to have. Now, you are, of course, risking getting stuck in that is he a killer? Can he win in playoff games when his team is slightly underpowered? <laughs> I don't mind this game. His team was way underpowered. You'd have to be Hercules to try and win this game. And he played very well in the previous round. So there is that to be said from, but I think it's a, it genuinely is a really hard decision. I, I wouldn't give him crazy money, but I also wouldn't immediately say, let's get rid of Daniel Jones because you might be hunting for five, 10 years to find a guy who even just gets back to where Daniel Jones is. There's no guarantee the next guy you slot in is going to make the team any better, especially as we just listed with that wide receiver core. The offensive line's got a lot of, got quite banged up. I think they need to get a bit healthy, see if they can build some depth there. But you can't build offense. It doesn't really matter who you have under center. It's definitely one of the more, you know, uh, underrated probably not talked about teams in terms of this offseason and what uh, what they can do and how important it is that they make the right moves um, because I, you would think that they're going to try and go after a big name wide receiver in free agency if not they'll try and draft one fairly high if they can um, and that's the thing whether or not they keep Daniel Jones now that's the thing if they can get him to a reasonable number which is team friendly I think he would accept that too I don't I, I don't think he's one of those that thinks himself that he should be getting 
the mega bucks that he should be mm-hmm. getting a Mahomes style deal, which is just not going to happen. I think he's realistic to that, and if he is realistic to that, and he plays ball with the team. There's every chance he can come back next year. He's shown this season he works well with Brian Daybold. So, if he, why would he want to move for the chance of a few extra bucks in a different uh, team? And he's not guaranteed that the team that he's going to be going into is going to be that good of an environment because teams that overpay free agents um, are never normally good environments to play in. Yeah, right. again, who's looking for a guy like Daniel Jones? Who's looking for that conservative quarterback that can just take care of the ball, maybe get a few first downs with his legs? and just The Tampa Bay not- Buccaneers? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a good shout. That is a very good shout. I don't think there's any guarantee that... Uh, Tom Brady doesn't retire again. Now, whether he stays retired, that's a whole other question. But do you know what I mean? Teams like the 49ers, they have guys that can already do that. The 49ers now have two guys that can do that. So they are probably looking to ship one or the other of Garoppolo or Purdy on, I would imagine, at some point, trying probably Garoppolo to get his get his contract off the books. But you know what I mean? I think I think there's not a whole huge market. What if, sorry, sorry, I don't I don't mean to stop you mid there but what if he stays in new york and goes to the jets that's not a bad that is another one i have to say in fairness to his lads you picked out two good teams there that's good shout now are they willing to pay the money that new york wouldn't or is that are they going to offer more than what new york the giants will that's what i don't know i'm sure the jets they love doing crazy wacky things they might go big money he's definitely an upgrade from uh zach jones that's for sure uh, I I will say on the books, um, aren't they like twenty million over cap or something? Um, Who's this? The books. Probably. I don't. I don't think oh, he's... they have a you lot. Know, of okay, yeah, no, they they're gonna have to. Yeah. They're gonna have to make cuts upon cuts upon cuts. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're like half that team is gonna be good. Like the books don't count. They just put it all into <laughs> money over cap and all this stuff. That it's irrelevant. They'll keep everybody. <laughs> I did, I did yeah, hear yeah. though Saquon Barkley's going to sign on a team friendly deal. I heard he's not looking to reset the market. I heard he's already turned down a deal. He was ah, offered about 12 million a year and he's already after turning much. it down. He turned I it mean, down. He's the best offensive yeah, player they have. He said, I won't take yeah, that. Damn, whatever he wants. Give me half that and a hoagie and I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like that. It's. Go ahead. Sorry. I was like, isn't McCaffrey on uh, like 25 a year? I think it is a bit insulting to say 12. Like, he obviously doesn't want to reset the market, but also pay the guy what he's worth, you know? I think you got to go 20 and you got to do like four years. Yeah. Guarantee at least half of that. You got to guarantee 40 million. Or just get rid of him. Run it back. Or just don't. Yeah, just cut him now. If you're not going to trade him off before you before you get another one declined and everyone starts smelling the rat and saying, oh, he, they're going to cut him now. Like, before you start airing out all your dirty laundry of these contracts and saying, we don't want to pay this guy, trade him. Get a whole heap of first-round draft picks from him. Would you, though? You would. Oh, I think you would. I, hey, if you I'm would. watching... I you, like, can't. I'm giving yes, you two first-round draft picks. You get two. You can't. Oh, yeah. Does he not well, have next trade year left on it? No, is this he not, the like, last contracted year? through next year. Why I would they leave this late to, to contract to, to get a contract sorted then? So he's a I still think I still now. think they I still think they have doubts over whether or not he's uh the longevity is there. Holy um, Jesus. He, like he has Washington. had a, he's had he's had a serious injury already. 
That's Give true. Him Twenty millones right now. So you never know. But um, look, there'll be plenty of time to talk about the Giants and whether or not could um... that boom went. <laughs> <laughs> Give us Saquon money. There you go. We go Wentz. We get Saquon oh. to throw the ball. You waster. He's still not turned the ball over as bad as you do. They're still paying Kenny Galladay twenty-one million next year. <laughs> Oh God! I love you know what, lads. Do you just remember how excited Jake was to make that happen? He manifested that for the New York Giants. Although I think I think they'll cut him because uh, it's only six point eight mil in dead cap if they cut him, and they'll save fourteen point six million. So I think he's gone. Definitely aren't trading him. Who would have thought the team with the dodgiest owner at the moment in the NFL would be the third? Worst run team in the NFC East. Oh, Mara, get out of here. <laughs> and Gettleman fucking crippled this team for years, didn't he? Did yeah. he really, though? He did, though. He drafted Jones. He drafted Saquon. Yeah, exactly. He drafted Jones. <laughs> that, it worked uh, well from this year. This year. Who else came out? Who came out after Jones? And I hate doing this where they're like, oh, yeah, well... In hindsight, everybody's better than everybody else. But, yeah, okay. Like, it's different when you're talking top 10 picks, like, though. That's true. Hold on. That's, I think we've spent 15 minutes talking about the Giants, who <laughs> lost very badly this week. If you think this is bad, wait till we get to the Cowboys, Ryan. That's going to be an hour-long special. We don't we don't want a candle to Stephen A. Smith, but, man. We'll spend we'll spend half an hour on Dak Regresco. Um, Regresco? So you want to... He was good at some point. I'm trying to I'm trying to look up here at the moment the uh, the 2019 draft that was uh, that was Daniel Jones's draft so he was drafted uh, number six overall that year okay um, that was the year Kyler Murray was drafted first is, overall is this Lamar Jackson did he go after Daniel Jones uh, Lamar no that wasn't oh, that wasn't that oh, year okay that, uh, the 2019 uh, QB class is pants. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, because so that's, oh. I was. This is a, my roundabout way of kind of defending Gatlin a little bit and saying, well, he didn't pick the worst. Like okay. it was the best of a bad bunch. Well, I like the the next uh, QB that was drafted after Daniel Jones on in that year was actually the Commanders. They draft. That was the year they drafted uh, Dwayne Haskins, and then the one after that was in the second round. That's when the Broncos drafted Drew Locke. So, ah. yeah, yeah, not the best. Uh, they couldn't QB have done class. much better than Daniel Jones, I have to say, if they were looking for a quarterback. Yeah, no, no I'll, I'll give them. All. I'll give them a mulligan on that one. Yeah, they get. They made the best out of a bad bunch for sure. Uh, but we we'll move on. Get, do you know what they need to do? Go ahead. They need to buy a few of them. Uh, Panthers sphincter jug machines and get them useless wide receivers they have catching the ball without even needing to turn around. Just get that thing wedged up between your cheeks and get down the field. Stop messing around, fannying about, throwing the ball to the running backs for four yards. Shake that thing up there, that sphincter, and off you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Viper Fion there now is just giving you his thoughts there on that. <laughs> we'll move on to uh, Sunday's games. And that is not the Sunday's games. This is the first of Sunday's games. Probably the biggest shock of the weekend as well. The Cincinnati Bengals going to Orchard Park and not just beating, but destroying the Buffalo Bills by 27 points to 10 in a snow-covered um, 
Buffalo, New York. I saw one of the stupidest sport takes I think I've ever seen in my life there just today on this game. The Bengals had an unfair advantage because it was snowing and they wore all white. Never mind the luminous orange helmets that they have. That's fucking... That's fucking... uh, You can't see the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands all over again. It's Manchester United circa 1996 or whatever when they changed jerseys at halftime. Yeah. So see each other. Oh, oh man. Just, That's ridiculous because it goes both ways, doesn't it? Like, if yeah. if the defense can't see the offensive players, neither can the fucking quarterback. So, what is the difference? Well, quarterback yeah. had no problem throwing to him. He absolutely did not. He had no trouble at all. Joe Burrow has. Um, put a, a wedge in what everyone thought was going to be the AFC Championship game between the Bills and, and the Chiefs, which was going to happen in, uh, what was it, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Was that the one? That's the uh, one in Atlanta, Atlanta wasn't yeah, it? I think it was Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. They settled on, yeah. yeah. And Joe Burrow had the perfect line post-game interview. He says, better get those refunds out to the league. That um, I think, and that was the sort of chip on the shoulder that the Bengals sort of, not that they needed, but it was a little extra motivation because the, the, the league were already making plans for a Bills and Chiefs AFC Championship game. They were selling tickets for this uh, neutral venue. Um, and then the Bengals just go in there, upset the apple cart. Um, on both sides of the ball, absolutely destroy the Bills. And I spoke about this with Jake in our preview last week, that... A big issue for this game for the Bills is their lack of pass rush since Von Miller has gone down and had and it proved that this week and because the Bengals dominated both sides of the ball as well. They gave Josh Allen no time and then they in, on a patched up Bengals defense or offensive line as well. The the Bills defensive line couldn't get close at all. But I'll I'll start with you on this one. Um Joe Burrow and the Bengals now toppling the Bills. Fionn mentioned, or you mentioned, sorry, that the Bills are not playoff teams, are not a playoff team. And look, looking at this scoreline uh, and this performance, people would think that you are right, but um, uh, nonetheless, can't take credit away from the Bengals who put in a fantastic performance on Sunday. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk that back a tiny bit. I, I'm more, I'm more meant that they're not a, they're not like a contender. You know, they, you know, they, they had a great regular season. They got 13 wins, um, but just they, they can't get out of their own way. Josh Allen, um, 25 for 42 and no touchdowns. Like, awful, awful performance. And then that goal line meltdown, uh, one of Tredavious White's two pass interference penalties, 12 men on the field, and then um, offsides in a row. Like, just stupid mistakes stupid penalties bad play like the the better team won the Bengals didn't just get lucky like they played better they deserved the win the Bengals beat the Bills but like at the same time the Bills beat themselves with these stupid stupid mistakes and that's that's why I don't think they're contenders you know it's just it's such frustrating football to watch well I feel like the Bengals kind of beat up the Bills they really kept smacked them really hard on defense and they were running really physically uh like they have a great running game and i think as well another thing that came back to bite the bills that we've kind of said this several times in one way or another 
they can't get the run game going consistently. We thought they showed flashes of it there towards the end of the season, and it just couldn't get going at all against the Bengals. The Bengals managed to keep Joe Burrow clean, and when you keep Joe Burrow clean, he's a very dangerous quarterback. There was a lot of talk before the game about all the injuries on the offensive line. They thought this might be a massacre. Yes, we already commented on the Bills without, um, what's his name, on the outside. What's his name, Dari? You just said it. So on on the Bills, Dave Davis. Oh, sorry, uh, Von Miller. On the outside, Von Miller. Von yeah, Miller. without Von Miller, yeah. he is the closer. We've seen how effective he's been as well. Some people scoffed when he signed, but he has done exactly the job that the Bills signed him for. So not having him wasn't great, but by all pre-game accounts, this was going to be a massacre for the defensive line for the Bills against a banged-up Bengals offensive line. And not only was it the opposite, they kept Joe Burrow clean, only one sack. They also ran the ball all over them. And we all know in a snow game, if you're the one who can run the ball more effectively, the yards are there. You're the one that can run the ball. That's how you're going to win these games. And then Joe Burrow was so clean. I loved his first touchdown to Jamar Chase. That kind of effortless flick as he looked like he was going to break out at full speed. I thought that was really good. And you just can't give Jamar Chase that kind of that kind of time, that kind of room. He didn't go for outrageous numbers, but the completions that he did get, I think he over averaged over 15 yards of reception, 12 yards of reception. He he averaged like that's a killer. You can't give up those. A lot of those are for first downs, and you know where the ball's going. It's when they have to have it. Goes to Jamar Chase. So uh, I think it was. I do see the disappointment that Al was talking about, but I was really impressed by the Bengals. Yeah, same here. Uh, and before I say anything about the Bengals, I want to say I'm really glad that they won this game because this was a ploy by the NFL to take even more playoff games away from the fans, right? If they had this in a neutral venue, the NFL would start talking about what a great success it was and end up going to a neutral venue for all of these uh, divisional games make it a bowl game atmosphere. But we've already seen what they did to the Super Bowl. It's now just a corporate fest basically no fan or true fan can afford to get a ticket you have to know somebody to get there uh so yeah i'm delighted that they don't get to host a game in a neutral venue and i hope it stays like that going forward but yeah moving on to the bengals absolutely incredible performance just touching on what we've said about von miller as well uh tony romo when he was doing the commentary kind of highlighted that before Von Miller was out, they were a top 10 rushing defense. And after he went out, they were bottom 10. So even though he is like a pure pass rusher, or so we think, he has a great effect in the run game by setting that edge and everything like that. And feeling that first touchdown that you mentioned to Jamar Chase, I absolutely love that play call. Lining him up in the backfield, forcing a linebacker to go on him. Like that was game over. As soon as that happened, game over. Love that touchdown. What did you make of the Stefan Diggs antics at the end of the game with with Josh Allen? It seemed to be the cameras panned to him. He seemed to be throwing up his hands in the direction of Allen on the sideline, who just had his head down. And I don't know if it was him giving out. I don't know if that was him trying to, you know, encourage the rest of the team, saying that they're not out of it yet, even though they were three scores down and they were definitely out of it. But you know, people automatically then go back to his time with the Vikings and doing the same thing with Kirk Cousins when he was, you know, ticked off at Kirk Cousins because he didn't feel like he was getting um, thrown the ball as much as he wanted. Of course, he 
in this game itself, he, he didn't have the greatest game either. In one, obviously, that meant obviously that means a lot of winning your out four receptions for 35 yards. Um, he was targeted 10 times though, so I don't know. A few of them were Aaron throws, a few of them were obviously just good at defense as well. But what do you think of, of Stefan Diggs at the end of the game? I think we're making too much out of this. I like they're passionate guys. He's given out to his quarterback. The quarterback gives out to them as well on the pitch. Like it's just how it goes. They're they're a great team. They're not used to losing 13 win season. So it doesn't go down very easily. On a really high level sportsmanship level, would you like to see it? No, probably not. But in terms of egregious, outrageous things we've seen on the football pitch, I don't I don't rank this anywhere near a big deal. It's yeah, difficult like, as well when you're looking at from a, like an outside perspective. We don't know what was going on between the two of them. They could have been having a conversation about anything. I mean, it probably was about Josh Allen's performance and maybe it was justified. But at the same time, it's it's difficult to sit here and make speculation about what who was in the wrong or whatever because we really don't know what was going on in the situation itself. Shit happens in sports. You know, people get heated. You're going to have arguments. No, nothing's ever going to go perfectly for the whole time you know it happens it's nothing nothing you've mm-hmm. seen games where teams are getting blown out and the winning team are still having arguments on the sideline over small things so it's nothing yeah and briefly then um just give me one position group that you want to see the bills improve um, in the off season <laughs> uh i know the easy one is defensive line but i'd go offensive line because they they had a lot of injuries and they just they weren't good enough uh this year you know obviously defensive line is a need but uh offensive line keep josh allen clean have him run less uh, i think they have too much of a reliance on him running and i know he's big and he can take the hits but how long will that last so yeah i'm gonna go running back I, I'm a fan of Devin Singletarian, but I have to admit he, he has never really taken on that role of a top-notch starting caliber running back. I really thought James Cook would come in and perform similarly to his brother. He has not got any of the touches that I thought he would get all all throughout the season. Maybe he's developing. I don't know what's going on in the in practices. But yeah, I think that's somewhere. I don't, I don't know if that's an easy fix. I don't think it is. I think those running backs at the moment are a little bit hit and miss coming out of the draft. So if you can, if you could choose, like Ryan said for my tight end, if you could if you could pick a unicorn for this team, I think you would pick a unicorn at running back. I think that's where you would put your your guaranteed superstar if if we had the ability to pick one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um with Al on this one and say O line. Um, I'd say that their defensive line is good enough to kind of get them by, maybe take someone second round, third round over there. Uh, running backs, they're a dime a dozen. You can hit gold in the sixth round. So don't be drafted number one overall or your fir- first round pick as a running back uh, in this situation. Wait until the later rounds. But yeah, the, the position of most need, I feel, is that offensive line. Mm-hmm. I tend to agree. And get rid of Cole Beasley. Way. That'll that'll improve the team as well. <laughs> it could. Um, I think the I I would say the offensive line needs the most work. But just for argument's sake, I'm going to say the defensive uh, line. I think that they need someone there opposite Von Miller. 
Um, it doesn't have to be a stud, but if you can get someone in the draft or you can get maybe a, not an A-list, but maybe a B-list sort of pass rusher as well that can help on the other side, that can also uh, get attention to help Von Miller when he comes back next year. The running back position, they've tried a few different running backs this year. They've also brought, like they brought in Naheem Hines, James Cook, Devin Singletary was there as well. Matt Breida was there last year as well. I'm not sure whether it's a, if it's just a player issue or it could just be a scheme issue. I think maybe that just not enough work is being put in to improve that running um, running game. I think they're happy just to let Josh Allen do everything. And I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um I think that they're going to have to change it up. Now, if that is, means OC, Ken Dorsey and, and Sean McDermott come up with a, a new scheme over the offseason, if Ken Dorsey is still there, if he doesn't get a, a head coaching job, although I feel after this weekend he probably won't. But um, we'll see. Um, and like I said, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it in the offseason when it comes up, especially to the draft. The last game of the weekend, the Dallas Cowboys 12, the San Francisco 49ers 19. Fionn, I'm not going to say much more because I can see the smile on your face with this scoreline. Tell me, what what did you think of this game? Yeah, look, it's I'm not going to go, I'm not going to bang on to be brutally honest with you. If you want someone to go and razz the, the Cowboys, just go Stephen A. Smith. He seems to love doing it and no one can do it as good as him. But uh, look, everyone loves to hate them. They have a, a very good team this year. I really do feel like we discussed this last week. And I also put it up on the Twitter as well. I feel like Dak Prescott is that killer where he's just good enough to make the playoffs and just not good enough to make the wins. And I think as much as you might argue whether he's overrated or underrated, as I said to Rain, I don't think there's any argument that you could say that he's underpaid i think he's by far overpaid he's paid quarterback super bowl winning money and he hasn't done it and he hasn't shown like he's been close they haven't made the super bowl that's their first playoff win in a long time as far as i'm aware so i think that's a real struggle and it came down to as i posted on the twitter it came down to who could keep the ball clean and he has suffered badly i think he's got the most turnovers or joint most turnovers of any quarterback in the league this season. He threw another costly interception this game. Brock Purdy kept his nose clean, played well, and I don't think us celebrating Dak Prescott's failure should take anything away from how good this 49ers defense is and how good this 49ers offense is. They found a way to win against a very, very, very good defense. Just on the overpaid, underpaid situation with Dak Prescott, I take anything Fionn says with a grain of salt. He goes out and says Lamar Jackson should get that bag. He's nowhere near reaching the Super Bowl. And yet he's talking about $200 million guaranteed on his contract. Yeah. It's it. kind of, do it. Yeah. But he's looked nowhere near getting them to a Super Bowl at any stage in his career. So I understand when you get to a position and you think you have the guy, you got to stick with him and pay him the money that you think he's worth. It maybe hasn't worked out so far for Dak Prescott, and it may not work out for whoever pays Lamar Jackson down the line. But at the end of the day, you've got to put all of your eggs in that quarterback basket and hope for the best. Because when's the last time a nobody QB has won the Super Bowl outside of Nick Foles um, with the Eagles? That was a bit of an anomaly. But Colin Kaepernick that, won it. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, but that that's like ten years Dude, ago at this stage. He had a great he had a great season that year as well. He wasn't a yeah. one hit wonder in that season, but yeah. But look, uh, on this game specifically, yards were very hard to come by. Both of these defenses are very very good, and I think this could have been a different game if the Cowboys actually had a kicker because Brett Maher missed his extra point on the first uh, touchdown in the game, and then they were going on fourth down from kind of. 40 yards out say which would have been like a 56 yard field goal and if you have a really um kind of reliable kicker to make that field goal i think this this turns into a really different game they could have jumped out to a 10 point lead to start the game and that makes it different right in a game that points and yards are so hard to come by so yeah i'm putting this loss all on brett maher's back as opposed to dak prescott you leave the Maher family out of this (laughs) <laughs> I I don't have a ton to say about this game that hasn't been said um, but I will say this could have been a completely different game uh, Brock Purdy absolutely should have been picked off twice it was two gimme picks that were dropped um, that would have given uh, the Cowboys another couple of scoring chances one from midfield so um. It, it could have been a different game, but then again, you know, same goes the other way. If Dak didn't get two interceptions, one, I think was a bit unlucky, uh, kind of bounced into Fred Warner's hands, but you know, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you make of that? What is it actually about the Cowboys facing the 49ers in the playoff game that causes their O.C. Kellen Moore to come up with the stupidest play calls in existence. Last year in the playoffs, they run the ball with 14 seconds left and no timeouts with a QB QB run. They have no time to continue to play. They lose the game. This one, what was it? Zeke snapped the ball to Dak, who threw it, and we gave Kirk Cousins a lot of shit for this when he did it last week for the, uh, the Vikings. He threw it short of the line again. He did. He threw, threw short of the line the gain in this one, and he nearly got his wide receiver absolutely killed with a poor pass as well. What are these play calls? The only they thing nearly... I could think of is they had two offensive linemen and a wide receiver in behind, but I guess they just didn't move when the ball was snapped, and that's why he threw it to the random like slot receiver that was out. Like, did you guys like? Does anybody know what they were actually trying to do there? Well, I, I would understand if they had an actual center in to snap that football, but with Zeke snapping the football, all they had to do was rush one guy and he absolutely <laughs> flattened him on the play. So Jack had no time to let that play develop at all. I don't know what that was about. Never the mind, Panthers he... earlier on in the week declared that they were going to be uh, interviewing Kellen Moore for this, for the uh head coaching job, and I was buzzing. I think he is a great play caller. And then that <laughs> fucking happened, and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think they just lost this. his plane ticket. They're like, oh, did we not send that to you? Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Zoom link not working. Oh, it must have put a number wrong. Sorry. I, I don't get why there's so many... Is. I don't get why there's so many coaches in the league that just think they're smarter than everyone in the room. Everyone and just call on them. a screen on third and 14. Yeah, <laughs> you know that set me off. Um, like you're not smarter than everyone in the room. That's a fucking ridiculous call, Kellen. 
Just like run like fucking four verts or something, empty backfield, whatever. Anything but that. Like short again, short of the fucking sticks. Why are you having a route go like behind the line to gain with five seconds left? What are you gonna do? The only thing I'd say with with that on that play is the stupidity of the fact of having Zeke as your only pass blocker. Um, and the fact that he can't do that and he was bundled over straight away meant Dak had to get rid of the ball straight away. He didn't, he couldn't, he didn't have time to um let the play develop. Uh, yeah, I think oh, yeah, the play call just... is designed to be a really freaky screen, but even that couldn't develop because the, it like he just had no time, no time at yeah, all. Yeah, I, I also feel like when I watched it, like I said, I feel like the it was supposed to go either left or right or like to one or the other and i feel like they didn't react and once they didn't react that was like oh, well i gotta throw it now and they weren't ready and he just like flung it down the pitch to whoever was standing there so yeah look that is um another year the cowboys go without making it to uh even a championship game let alone a playoff or let alone a super bowl um so we're all delighted for that which is great. Um, less delighted the fact that it was the 49ers that are progressing and looking like they can make it to the Super Bowl. That's just from <laughs> Wayne and Al's perspective. But anyway, um, the interesting right. story, though, the, did you see... <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. Um, two pieces there that I want to ask about before we move on as well is, first of all, the story that came out, I think, before the game on Sunday, that... The 49ers are planning to go ahead with Brock Purdy next year, meaning all the all the picks and everything they gave up just to get Trey Lance is now all for nothing. Uh, your reaction to that? And secondly, why uh, this was also another thing that D'Amico Ryans is getting head coaching opportunities, getting head coaching interviews. Why are teams organizing interviews for D'Amico Ryans on the day he has a game in the playoffs. He cancelled two interviews on Sunday. I think one was with the Panthers, the other one was with the Cardinals or something like that. Or maybe the Texans were involved. Um, He cancelled two interviews on Sunday. There is six other days in the week. Why are you scheduling an interview with D'Amico Ryans on the day he has a game? Why did he oh, take I'll tell you, two Darren. interviews? What was he doing canceling them? He should have said it. No, he didn't. He didn't actually take them. He declined them. But I'll tell you why you you, you um interview somebody on a Sunday. It's because you're woefully mismanaged. The fucking Panthers, <laughs> right? They have David Tepper's wife on their selection committee. Okay, and one thing that you need to do to be on a selection committee is do the fucking diversity training. Do you know who didn't have the diversity training done? David Tepper's wife. How does that so, even fucking happen? So Rain's, you Rain's need, trying to say women don't know anything about well. football and he's disgusted they will no, be involved. No, they're in just the racist. Stuff. That's all. No, no. But um, <laughs> oh, what call, I'm saying is how, how do you allow uh, <laughs> how do you allow somebody on your selection committee to have not completed one of just the most basic tasks to be on a selection committee? Ridiculous. Nepotism. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Do we know if the um, selection committee for the selection committee had uh, the training? <laughs> Man, this is it. Well, the selection um, for the selection committee was David Tepper, so hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, on the original question, um, if they continue with Brock Purdy, um, everyone, including Shanahan, should be shot into the fucking sun. That is just the most epic mismanagement of resources I've ever seen. If you trade three first-round picks for a quarterback, and then, like, fair enough, he's been injured, um, but, like, and then you just decide, hey, this guy that's been playing no better than Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, we'll just go ahead with him. Fuck our three first-round picks, right? Like, what the... F- and I still... I, 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 I think... I think this proves the point that I was right about the whole uh, draft situation in the first place. I think Shanahan wanted Mac Jones and John Lynch wanted Trey Lance. John Lynch got his way because he's the GM. Kyle Shanahan well, never wanted him. And now he has yeah. another guy who actually is kind of plays in a similar way to Mac Jones. Doesn't move a lot. Is more of a pocket passer. I think Shanahan itself. is getting this and he's, he's, he's given the fingers up to John Lynch saying, I was right all along. That in but, I mean, in doing this, sorry, go on. Sorry, go. Yeah, just like it's it's just maddening to me. Like that in itself should put both of their jobs into question. If they both agreed to trade first round picks or three first round picks for uh, a quarterback that they don't agree on, that's ridiculous. Like they 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 their jobs should have been called into question there and then. And now that they've traded those three first round picks and they're gonna they might go with Purdy, that is ridiculous. And they that's I, th- I think you're all Shanahan's a great mind. coach, but that's ridiculous. You're all losing your mind. <laughs> oh, they spent three first round picks to pick Trey Lance. But why why do you spend three first round picks? Why do you try and get a quarterback like Trey Lance? It's to get in to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. They're one game away from the Super Bowl with the fine, the guy they picked last year last. So as far as I'm concerned, they trade three first-round picks to get re- one step away from the Super Bowl. Whether or not that player is responsible or not, that's what happened. I think that it's it all worked out the same. If Trey Lance had brought them to this point right here, we'd all be going, what a genius play. Who cares? Trey Lance is a waste. Who cares? You also it'd be different if you spent your next three and you just keep mortgaging first round draft picks till you hit in the first round. The round system is so overrated. The last guy being picked is unbeaten in seven games, has won two playoff games, is one game away from the Super Bowl, hasn't thrown that many interceptions, has thrown plenty of touchdowns, doesn't need to run with his butt with with the ball in his hands to be good. What more do you want? Who cares where they picked them? Who cares if you gave away your first round draft picks? Why? So now you can't pick Trey Lance next year. Should I pick the best quarterback in the last the last pick of the seat? Like, who cares? It's a it's a fair yeah, point. I, but I just I, I just the, the, the whole process to get here, like is just I, I, yeah. I genuinely get where Fiona's coming from. Brock Purdy probably has looked like a more capable quarterback in the short time that we've seen him versus Trey Lance in the short time that we saw him, particularly within that 49ers scheme. So I understand where Fiona's coming from. If I was in that uh, kind of coaching staff, I would 100% at least be giving Purdy a chance to win that starting job for next season. I would not be saying we're rolling with him right now, though, because basically what you're doing is advertising is Trey Lance going cheap. So second round pick might get him. Or if they're looking for first round picks for him, why would anybody do that? He's been beat out by a seventh round guy. So why would you? why would I give you 
multiple first round picks for a guy who has proved he cannot get into that 49ers team. So I disagree with saying this out loud, but give Purdy the opportunity to compete for that job because he's absolutely done enough to compete. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I can get, I can agree with that. Fair enough. Well done, Fionn. You convinced us all. Fair play to you. Doesn't happen very <laughs> often, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going sort. to take 